stuck to hauling logs. Only he hated working in the summertime, so Paul had to paint the logging roads white after the spring thaw so that Babe would keep working through the summer. One summer, as Babe the Blue Ox was hauling a load of logs down the whitewash road and dreaming of the days when the winter would feel cold again and the logs would slide easier on the ice, he glanced over the top of the mountain and got a glimpse of a pretty yellow calf grazing in a field. Well, he twisted out of his harness lickety split and stepped over the mountain to introduce himself. It was love at first sight, and Paul had to abandon his load and buy Bessie the yellow cow from the farmer before Babe would do any more hauling. Bessie the yellow cow grew to the massive yet dainty proportions that were suitable for the mate of Babe the blue ox. She had long yellow eyelashes that tickled the lumberjack standing on the other end of camp each time she blinked. She produced all the dairy, all the dairy products for the lumber camp. Each day, sourdough Sam made enough butter from her cream to grease the giant pancake griddle, and sometimes there was enough left over to butter the toast. The only bone of contention between Bessie and Babe was the weather. Babe. <coughs> Water began to drip from his eyes. He 
touched his eyes and tasted the drops. Yes, they tasted like salty water. Strange choking sounds were coming from his mouth and chest. Some heard the cries of man and called the woman. They ran to the seashore to find out what was wrong with man. Woman and son were alarmed to see water flowing out of man's eyes. Man told them about the shore filled with seals. He told, he told how he had hunted them and how every seal had escaped his knife. As he spoke, water began to flow from the eyes of woman and son, and they cried with man. In this way, people first learned to weep. Later, man and son hunted a seal together. They killed it and used its skin to make snares for more seals. <clears throat> so, this tale is supposed to be about a man who learns how to cry. Uh, he had never had that feeling, and when he finally learned how to cry, it kind of shocked is, is, you know, and his family, um, and it kind of just, you know, it's a nice tale, uh, about, again, just men learning how to cry, and people learning how to cry in general, and we definitely can do, again, a couple more, I mean, I'm not even doing this to, like, tease you guys, I just don't know, because I don't know how long a lot of these are before I start reading. Next one is Paul Bunyan and the Frozen Flames. So obviously this story will be, uh, you know, another tale around Paul Bunyan and hopefully his ox, like in the first uh, tale I read. So again, it's called Paul Bunyan and the Frozen Flames. It's Michigan Tall Tales, retold by S.E. Schlosser. Which is the same person who retold the other tales. Maybe this entire website is retold by Essie Schlosser. Anyway, Paul Bunyan and the Frozen Flames. One winter, shortly after Paul Bunyan dug Lake Michigan as a drinking hole for his blue ox babe, he decided to camp out in the Upper Peninsula. It was so cold. It was so cold their logging camp that one evening. Uh, sorry, there's a typo here. It was so cold that in their logging camp one evening, the temperature dropped to 68 degrees below zero. Each degree in the camp thermometer measured 16 inches long, and the flames in the lanterns froze solid. No one, not even Paul Bunyan, could blow them out. The lumberjacks didn't want the bunkhouse lit at night because they wouldn't get any sleep. So they put the lanterns way outside of camp where they wouldn't disturb anyone. But they forgot about the lanterns so that when thaw, when thaw came in the early spring, the lanterns flared up again and set all northern Michigan on fire. They had to wake Paul Bunyan up so he could stamp out the fire with his boots. That's a nice short one.
reason I mention it to you is because it is one of the finest places on the whole Rogue River to fish from the bank. If you have a boat, you can fish most anywhere, but if you're if you're consigned, consigned to the bank, and I know a lot of people prefer it, then this is where you want to go. Now, you can catch a salmon here, but what it's really noted for is it's wonderful winter steelhead fishing, and steelhead fishing is really fun. In fact, it is one of the few fun things to do here in the winter when the weather gets real snotty and there's not much else to do. I'm sorry, snotty, that's not meant to be offensive. It's simply a local contraction, meaning it's not a nice day to be outside, so stay inside. But you get real tired of being inside. Might as well live in Michigan. Anyway, a lot of the locals here have gotten so into their steelhead fishing that what they've done, they've gone ahead and welded their rod holders right to the front bumpers of their beautiful wheel drive pickups. You'll see them. They drive down to the edge of Dunkelberger, flip their gear out into the water, set their rods in the rod holder, climb back into the pickup, roll up the windows, turn on the heater, and there they set all day long, chewing snooze, smoking horrible old cigars, drinking cheap whiskey, telling rude jokes, making up lies, chucking beer, having burping contests, lighting farts, talking about moving to Idaho, and trying to remember to roll down the window before they spin, having a big time, catching a fish. I know every once in a while, when the fishing's real good, some of them might drag their husbands up here with them, just so they can catch the extra fish. Fish. That's what I think. I know my daughter Jessica. She was fishing up here last winter. She hooked a big old seal head. She never got out of the truck. She put it in reverse, mashed on the gas, and yanked the fish 30 feet up the bank. That's an interesting one. Not so much a foam tail as much as a, uh, you know, like a little, a little local story as told by Captain Finally, Rainbow Crow, the most beautiful of all the birds. 
dancer with shimmering feathers of rainbow hues and an enchanting singing voice was chosen to go to see the creator. It was an arduous journey, three days up and up into the heavens, past the trees and clouds, beyond the sun and the moon, and even above all the stars. He was buffeted by winds and had no place to rest, but he carried bravely on until he reached heaven. When Rainbow Crow reached the holy place, he called out to the creator, but received no answer. The creator was too busy thinking up what would be to notice what would what would be to notice even the most beautiful of birds. So Rainbow Crow began to sing his most beautiful song. The creator was drawn from his thoughts by the lovely sound and came to see which bird was making it. He greeted Rainbow Crow kindly and asked what gift he could give the noble bird in exchange for his song. <coughs>
enjoyed making this episode. episodes I do like forward.